You're listening to The Shop Podcast, presented by Grey Goose Vodka. Whether it's a dinner party for 10 or a small kickback, you know the vibes will always be right if you're surrounded by your favorite people. And great company pairs best with a great cocktail. So make it a Grey Goose Martini cocktail. Impress your guests in style with an espresso martini or the always effortless classic martini with a lemon twist. No matter what you decide, everyone can appreciate the smooth, delicate taste that only a Grey Goose Vodka Martini can provide. For more info on how to craft a vodka-based cocktail, visit greygoose.com and remember to always sip responsibly. You acted in one of my favorite all-time movies, Above the Rim, with Tupac. So I go to the to the audition, and I can play basketball, so you know, man, I'm about to go crazy in this basketball. <laughs> oh my God, nobody could dunk, nobody could even do yeah, no kind yeah, of real yeah. hooping at all. So I was in there, literally like you see in the movie, punking mugs. I'm from Chicago, so I was a little rough, you know, in there, right? Man, I'm talking about I'm taking off. Boom, pushing <laughs> right, right. Like when I'm playing a boom and I'm pushing my foot on the ground and stuff. Literally, Jeff Pollock, who was the director, rest in peace, he came running on the stage. Literally, this is how I found out I got the role, right? He ran on the stage, like say you me, he ran on stage. The director ran on stage, you got this, you got this, you got this. On this episode of The Shop Uninterrupted, Maverick Carter and Paul Rivera are joined by Shensia. It doesn't matter what anybody say, right? Because once you're destined for something and you're chosen, it is what it is. Dominique Fishback. I don't think about, people are like, oh, were you nervous to do it, Sam? It's like, not really. I've been wanting to do this for my whole life. And like, I come from East New York, so I'm ready to, when it's time, it's like time, I'm ready to go. Wood Harris. I'm a fan of Denzel Washington, right? My whole class is like, that dude is Sidney Poitier for us. And J.B. Smoove. I would always go on stage and I would improvise the moment. If you give me a certain microphone, a certain chair, a certain curtain, is there a curtain behind me or is a brick wall behind me? Check it out. Drama is, is, is easier than comedy. You think, ah, that's a good question. That's why you look to be humorous. If, you, if you're a dramatic actor, you should be looking for the humor to me. You dig? Because if you're looking for the humor, then you naturally you, you, you're, you're, you're broadening the role because it's a drama. Yeah. yeah. So, drama is, uh, you know, uh, comedy without punchlines. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So no matter who you play, a killer, mm. you better be funny or at least humorous. Joe Pesci in Goodfellas is humorous. <laughs> no, that, that is what is I'm that saying. What That's mean? exactly what I mean. he's a killer and he's a <laughs> That's exactly dude. what I mean. But That's exactly when he comes I mean. on the screen, you get ha- you like laugh. You, you laugh. That's what you mean, I got that's, it. That's exactly what I mean. You agree with that too? Drama's easier than comedy? Yeah, I think it, it just depends on the, the actor because I mean, somebody who grew up doing the comedy thing might feel a little bit uh, off when they have to do drama. Um, it's just like theater and like, it's like theater and, and film. Like I, you start off doing theater and you're like larger than life and then you come to film and you gotta be a little smaller. But starting from film and going to theater is like, you gotta learn how to be bigger than what so you always- explain that for a novice who doesn't understand it really. When you say theater, you have to be bigger. I started in theater and I went to like my first little TV audition and the woman said, oh, you make really strong choices, but uh, that, that I was too, too expressive. And I remember oh, being yeah. like, how can I be expressive? That, that's real life. Like, yeah. I'm expressive in real life, so how could I not be real? And then I read a book called Acting and Film and TV by Michael Caine. And he talked about how, how theater has the same exact intensity as film, is just 
almost like if you shake up soda and you open it like that, it's gonna go like this. But if you slowly open it, then it allows it to like ooze out. And I think that's what it was for me, what I understood about you, I could still have the same emotions as big as they want to be like in theater, but yeah. when it comes to film, I'm letting it slowly ooze out of the eyes and yeah. how, how, how yeah. I speak. But that's a good point though, because your eyes are so important in film. Doing a close-up, you know, obviously there's no close-ups in theater, right? That's true, yeah. So you're doing a close-up, you might be doing like, uh, you might be doing something yeah, yeah. that looks bugged out yeah. for a camera. Because mm -hmm. the camera yeah. seeing, you know, especially the, the high-def camera see yeah, everything. Yeah. That's a great point, Michael Caine, of, of like seeping out the, yeah. um, the feeling, the, the expressions, actually. Because you could be doing expressions that pop off too large and people think you whack. Yeah. Yes. My rule of thumb is this. If I'm going in a room, you know, for a movie, a TV show, my rule of thumb is this. I go in big. I go in big. You know why? Because they could always... When you go big and they tell you, oh, that was great, pull back a little bit. Everybody knows how to pull back a little bit. But you go in low and they say, you don't know how, how much. Now you're doing so much that they're like, thank you very much. Everybody wants to pull back a little bit. You know what That's I mean? JB, when they issue to thank you very much, you know you didn't get you know it? Much. You know, you know. You know damn well you didn't get it. But you you so, just went so high that they're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay. Thank you very so much. Okay, okay. My, my first like big TV experience was with David Simon on a show called uh, Show Me a Hero. And Alexa Fogo, obviously, she's a casting director for all of his things. And um, and I did this audition. I made a choice, and she was like, mm, that was weird. But we're going to keep it. Yeah, 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 we're going to keep it. I said, no, I mean, I can do it. She said, no, 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 we're going to keep it. And, like, slowly took the mic off of me, and I just remember being like, I must have messed that up. And then, like, I, I didn't get a call back for, like, two months. And then finally they were like, oh, no, it was actually, a, like, a, a audience or a producer's favorite that you did this big thing. And then when I went to my callback, I did the same thing. And then they was like, okay, that's great, now do it like, and they pulled it back. But I was, like you said, I was able that's to it. like pull it back. You can be big and actually um, fake almost, like um, because a lot of real shit is uh, so, so big in real life that, you know, it, it, it would be like fake. I'm so glad you said that. You said being big in real life and it coming across in the scene. You acted in one of my favorite all time movies, Above the Rim with Tupac. What was that experience like being across the he's big, Pac? That was my first film. That was, that was mm. my first film. So for me, I was, uh, and that's the first thing I auditioned for. So wow. I was just struck wow. in general. Your first audition was a My first room. movie audition. Wow. But I was in school too. I studied theater. I went to NYU and studied theater. So I was a student at the time. And wow. um, I got the role through my brother, older brother, um, just meeting an agent, being like, my, I think my brother could do that. There was basketball in, mm. I can play basketball. So, you know, uh, I just needed to act, really. Because a lot of actors can't really, can't really hoop. You know what I'm saying? So None of them. they're going to pretend like they can hoop. <laughs> it look fake. It look, it look fake. It look bad, right? So I go to the, to the audition. Um, man, I had a, a glossy photo that I took. Like, it's not the right <laughs> picture. Bullshit right? <laughs> resume and all that. I'm in school. He got his passport know? photo. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of confidence, though. I had the confidence. Okay. Uh, I, get the, I get the audition. I go to it. Then I get the call back. And the, uh, I forget, the lady called me. Her name is Mary. I forget her last name. One of the casting assistants, she called and was like, I think you're going to get this role. And then I was like, 
Oh shit. I'm about to get a movie in this. <laughs> you talking it's the 90s, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm not mad young. I'm like, what? I'm off the block. They said I'm at the movie. Okay. So now I'm charged, you know? So the, the callback was basketball. So I was like, man, I'm about to go crazy in this basketball <laughs> shit. I got this. Nobody could dunk, nobody yeah. could even do yeah, no yeah, kind of yeah. real hooping at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. So I was in there literally like you see in the movie. Pokemon. I'm from Chicago, so I was a little rough, you know, in there, right? And especially that time in my life, I'm probably more incorrigible than, <laughs> than the rest of everybody, uh, influenced by my, you know, in my Chicago uh -huh. environment. Uh -huh. So, man, I'm talking about, I'm taking off. Boom! Pushing motherfuckers. <laughs> and so, like, when I play on boom, and I'm pushing motherfuckers on the ground and stuff, literally, Jeff Pollock, who was the director, rest in peace, he came running on the stage, literally. Mm -hmm. This is how I found out I got the role, right? He ran on the stage, like, say you me, he ran on the stage. The director ran on stage, you got, got this, this, you got this, you got this. <laughs> I said, oh shit. And I leave, man, and I'm on the A train, New York. And I'm going home like, man, this is 90s, ain't no, ain't no, like, I, yeah, you know, all this, all this shit. crazy yeah. shit ain't, I can't wait to tell like, my OG, I'm gonna tell my mom what's going on. And uh, my mom received it like, oh, okay. <laughs> and show me a movie, Mug. You can swap, <laughs> but show me a movie. Did you know Pac was in the movie when you were? No, at the time, it was Tretch. That's right. Oh, Church Whitaker, not Ooh. Leon okay. and Tupac. Shout out Leon. Leon and I also dope. heard, correct me if I'm wrong, Pac gets shot towards the, at the end. end of the he movie. did get shot in that That's movie. Right. He got shot at the end of that, and there was like, uh, they were like, they they started to make decisions based on that. So one of the decisions was there was a, a lookalike who was his stand-in who just happened to just look very much like him. Wow. Yeah. So at the end of the movie there are spots where it's not Tupac. Mainly in the game. Wow. When you yeah. see the game, he just missed the game. There was more for him to do in the, in the basketball game at the end. Gotcha. You see him just off on the sideline. Yeah, do this, do yeah, that. Yeah. But there was more for him to do. Instead, they ended up using a lookalike. Wow. Did you get to know him well? I got to know Tupac extremely well. Yeah, I knew Tupac re really well. I talked to him up until he died, two weeks before he died, because he was shot. Wow. But my memories of him that are more, that are uh, personal are uh, from above the rim experience, obviously. And uh, I think that was his second movie. And Tupac wasn't iconic at the time. Of course, yeah. So we talking about him from this perspective, like in this era, yeah. but Tupac at the time. So, and I'm like an MC, I, 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 I'm an MC. No, I, I won't say I'm an MC, it's like a gang. <laughs> I'm an MC till I die, I'm an MC, yeah. I'm an MC, right? So at the time, I was just like, I didn't care who the rapper was. I was just kind of like, I don't care who you are. Like, <laughs> right? I don't care. I do that's kind of the persona. I do this too. That's how you have to be. That's, as how, that's how you gotta be, right? That's, that's how, how you gotta be. be. Right. So it's like that's how I felt. And plus, being from Chicago, you know, we kind of known as haters. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right, right. We hate on you until you're Jordan. You gotta be Jordan, okay? Yeah. Or LeBron, or just top-notch person for them yeah. to be like, you alright? To give it up. Yeah. 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 You gotta be like top-notch. It's a little, it's a little do you, ridiculous. Do y'all feel like the whole world, do you feel like the whole world is like that now a little bit? Like you gotta go really far from them to give it up to you? Mm, I, I think a bit, because social media That's plays a big role in that because you feel like you can touch anybody right now. Mm. Yeah. Does that affect you and your decisions you make career-wise? Of course, because as artists, you have to find a way to keep yourself exclusive, you know? So you just have mm. to find a way to live around the times that are changing. Yeah. You know, so that's how I see Yeah, because I was seeing even something when you were people giving you shit about not having your accent anymore. I was like, this is like, come on, people, really? <laughs> the accent? Yeah. yeah. But you did a video 
accent can't lift. <laughs> 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 it's not going away. <laughs> the only thing is that when I'm here, though, it's pretty hard for other people to understand me. So if I speak through my accent, a lot of people are going to be like, huh? 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 You know, which makes me repeat myself over and over again. So in order to avoid that, you just speak standard English. You just tone it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I thought that you couldn't hear my accent even when I'm speaking standard English, but they said that. No, it's still pretty potent. So, so right, right, right now, are you speaking standard, standard English? English? I am speaking standard English. Yeah. <laughs> I am speaking standard English. Oh, I, 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 I am speaking standard English. <laughs> yeah, you uh, heard that. Yeah, hear your accent? For I sure, I can. I, I don't but know. Somebody, yeah. People are giving her shit on social about this, which is, yeah. like, it's also a little like, what do we do? It's 2023. Yeah, like, people just talk these days, less, though. Anything. Because anybody can have a social media so they can just say whatever, even if it's not true. Yeah. Mm. You know, which, I, I mean, once they talk, it's good for everybody, I feel. But it's also, <laughs> social is good to use too, right? Because you can... Yes, because I, it helps me to promote my music real easily. Yeah. Back in the days, I feel like it was harder for artists because they have to be popping out, doing this runaround, do that, do that, going out, giving CDs, promoting, yeah. you know, touching almost everybody who they can touch. Now it's just a click. And you touch so many people across the world, and that's how I blew up through social media. Yes. It's hard. It's it's hard, man. Because you know, um, having been in this game 37 years, and having been around for the inception of black comedy, when it hit that level, I'm talking about after the Priors, the Red Foxes, the next wave when Def Comedy Jam hit. Oh my God! You know, you gotta realize, years before that, we were already doing it. Of course, yeah. we were doing it. Uh, National Black Theater in Harlem. That's where I started at. You know, the Apollo was doing their thing. Cotton Club had comedians. Everybody had comedians. And then yeah. Black Comedy hit fire. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to tell you. And it was on HBO. That helped too, yeah. It, oh, that, 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 that was the next level the when it got on HBO. But it was a different time. Right now, you young people are at the mercy of what people think about you. Mm -hmm. Constantly. Yes. We didn't have that. Yeah. It was like driving... You know, you guys can put your phone out, you know, now and pull up navigation, and uh, your phone will tell you how to get there. We had MapQuest. We had to have a piece of paper in our hand. Make the right turn, you know, pull over. We had to pull over for phone calls. But mm. it's a different mindset. You didn't have to listen to the chatter of people yeah. telling you you can't do yes, it. Yes, yes. You whack, you yes. this, you that. We mm -hmm. didn't have that chatter in our head. Mm -hmm. So we, we were oblivious. Yeah. We were fearless yeah. because we didn't have no fear. We, we were creating something that was mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. It was different. Yeah. Now you got, you got to look and I'm see literally... what people think about you. Oh, what did they say? What did they say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you don't even know. Which gives people more anxiety <laughs> and made them fall into depression these days. Yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah. I feel like that played a part in like whether or not, like, well, how I had to approach doing Swarm. You know, I was literally, I was used to playing characters that were easier to digest and accept. Yeah. Yeah. People liked me the way that they saw me in that way. Yeah. So when I was presented with this, originally, Donald wanted me to play the role that, that Chloe Bailey ends up playing. Ooh, Marissa, wow. which is a sister, passes away in the first episode. But I was like, I mean, I read, I read the script and I was like, man, I, I want to play Dre. And uh, and then he was like, "What was it about? Why did you feel that yeah, way?" Yeah. Uh, just because I, I knew that I didn't want to catch up to my own self as an actor. I wanted I wanted to feel I wanted to feel challenged. I wanted oh. to I wanted to be like uh, I like I, I watched Heath Ledger and the Joker and Ooh. and Hilary Swank and Boys Don't Cry and all of those type of films that we as like black people, black women don't we don't necessarily get those opportunities where I was playing 
the best friend or the baby yeah. mom or the whatever. Yeah, and I'm like, and so all the roles that I played, I, I I love them. They also are, even though they might have a hard exterior, they're really uh, warm and like loving in the inside. And so people could say, oh, I like, I like her, I like that. Yeah. And that's this idea that women have to be likable. Yeah. And I don't, I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to put myself in a box. I was like, I did Transformers, that's about to come out. And so I was yep. like, that's really, people are really going to be like, oh, we yeah. want to see her like this <laughs> so, yeah. only. Oh, by the way, you are the and first black wanna, woman to, star, to be a starring role in that hey, franchise. Yeah, right? thank you. <laughs> just, just for a pause, but keep going. Yeah, I appreciate right. that. But so it made me say, I want to, I, I, I read some of the script and I knew where she was going to go. She was going to dress, like, like dress male presenting at the end and all of the stuff. And I was like, I know I can do that. And I just yeah. want the opportunity to, to do it. But, so I asked him and he said, well, if that's the role you want, that's the role you get. Should you do with Sam, Judas, like you steal the scene the minute you're in it, which is, I know, Power. kind of the competitiveness Power. of being an actor, right? That, yeah. Do you know you're stealing the scene when you do it or do you see it later? Cause you uh, pop like, oh shit, oh, I wanna oh, see more of her. Honestly, I, I don't think about, people are like, oh, were you nervous to do it with Sam? It's like, not really. I've been wanting to do this for my, my whole life. I and like, I come from East New York, so I'm ready to, <laughs> when it's time, it's like time, I, I'm ready to go. Yeah. So, so it, I don't, I, tend not to do that because I don't want to get in my own head and then not do the character's service. My character in Last Days of Tommy Gray was not scared of him at all. She she had to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, so I'm not going to come in here and be like, oh my God, that's Sam Jackson. I'm going to say, all right, it's, it's time. I respect him, of course, mm. but I'm not going to... I've been wanting this my whole life. Yeah. And now it's like, You always time. wanted to be an actor. Yes. I love that. Yeah. When you guys are on, in a scene, is it competitive? It's like my choices come from okay, you bring up Curb, I gotta make a choice immediately, right? Tell us what that means. We don't, How does Curb we don't do rehearsals. When we do our blocking and a line is shot up, it's just blah, 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 blah. That's all we can say. We can't and there's it. no scripts, right? We can't do any lines. Whatever's in your head, gotta stay in your no head. No scripts? Until the, wow. Tell like, explain that about Curb is Curb Enthusiasm is, is an improvised show. So we get an outline with eight, nine pages outline that, that's gonna outline the whole episode. And we got every, all 10 episodes have an outline. No dialogue. Zero dialogue. Zero dialogue. You gotta know so yourself. Everything is, everything is, <laughs> you know everything, everything Character you say, development. Which is amazing because there's nothing better than hearing something for the first time. Like whether it's reaction. funny or whether it's dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. The first time it's like, it's natural. You, you get a natural reaction yeah, from yeah. it. A natural reaction. So my, my thing is this, I gotta, I choose every scene with Larry, with Larry David, whether I'm gonna have his back or go against him. Oh, that's a good point. You yeah. go into the scene oh, making I, that choice. By the way, this is gonna yeah. change the whole yeah. episode. Yeah, if Leon decides yeah. to go with him. If I decide to go with him on, on his BS, I'm with him on his yeah. BS throughout the whole episode. But if I choose to go against him, what's the better argument? Me versus somebody else? Me and Larry versus somebody? or me and Larry are going through what the, uh, my choice is going to be. And, and and he doesn't know what direction you're going to go. No, He's got to he react. He has no idea. He does not know what I'm going to do. Wow. That's just amazing. And sometimes amazing he thinks I'll do, I'll do, we'll, we'll do the first few, and then he'll, he'll laugh or he'll smirk a lot, 
And I just say, I'm gonna change it on this. I'm gonna change it on his ass. I'm gonna change it on his ass. <laughs> change it on his ass. And then he don't know what's coming. So it's competitive. And then he get mad yeah. like it's competitive. It's competitive. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. They're comedians. So, so it's like this. And y'all doing this on the go though. We don't on the go. We're doing it in, in on the go. Now, JB, question question for you. You wrote on SNL. Did that help you? Did that prepare you in a way for this or no? Nah, man. I, I was doing all this forever. Back in New York, when we, we used to have um, um, a black comedy awards in New York, it was just for New York com comedians. It was real like cool because all the comics would come. It was really flat. I won twice for best impromptu comedian. Oh wow! Before wow. anything, I was on. I wasn't even on TV yet. I just I would always go on stage and I would improvise the moment. If you give me a certain microphone, a certain chair, a certain curtain, is there a curtain behind me or is there a brick wall behind me? I use everything at my disposal and people, they, they really love seeing me because I wasn't robotic on stage. I would address the elephant in the room, mm. you know what I mean? And one night I was on stage performing and I could see outside, it was a glass, big glass you could see outside and I was on stage performing and, and they was towing my car away. I could see the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> No, I'm up there killing. I'm killing them. And in that yeah, moment, yeah, you have a choice to I'm make. Like, yeah, then I, I, I heard it go. <laughs> I'm like, yo, they told my car away. Everybody, ah, they crazy as hell. No, 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 they told my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out, I threw the bike on the, I ran outside. You can see me like this. I'm like, yo, man. Yo, it was the funniest thing. Then I came back, and that became part of the show. Comedians could take anything that ever yes. happened, pain in their life, and make it funny, and make That's you laugh magic. your ass off. That's my favorite part about it. You know what I mean? And we find that that balance, and we can do it, and we can go the opposite direction. Some comedians make great actors. With Swarm, I feel like. The, physic the physicality that I got to do with the character made her funny, but I didn't set out to be like, oh, this character's gonna be funny. It was just the things that she did. And I wonder if there's a difference between being able to be a comedian with punchlines and being a physical comedian. That's like, a great question. There's two different unique styles. It's a you great know, question. I, I'm, I'm more of a, of a physical comedian. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, physicality is my thing. I love it. I, I, I'm, painting, I'm painting pictures on stage. I'm making you see things that aren't there. You know, I did a show one night, it was like a one-man show kind of style, and in the, in, in the scene, uh, I knocked some guy out, and, and he fell on the floor. I finished, I still performed my whole show, and then halfway, like another 10 minutes later, I walked across the stage, and I stepped over him. The crowd was like, ooh. He remembered, he knocked the dude out. That's and hilarious. And, but that's, that's, that's the thing of, that stage becomes a world, and they're watching it, and you're putting things there that not they can't that they can't see. You see them, but they can't see it. Punchline comedians, they they have to they rely on their timing, um, the the pauses, the like you pauses, said, the lines got to bow, bow, bow. So they not physical. They, they're, they're more robotic. Yeah, but they're also subject to relying heavily on the joke working. Mm -hmm. The joke got to land every time. At the, the right joke point. don't land, it changes. Fuck, that's my best bit. 
shit, they didn't laugh hard hard enough at my best one I thought in my head yeah. was my killer. JB, yeah. do you have not, something in the chamber? Like, if something doesn't hit, you got something in the back pocket? I or? try not to ever get to that point if yeah. I can. But also, what you do, which is very hard on stand-up comedy, which I always admire, is the transition bit to bit. Meaning, if a comedian's on stage for one hour, they have to make you laugh, yeah. They have to get from this bit to that bit. I try to write every bit in threes. This happened, but then this happened. But what if this happens? Yes. And then I still have the, the ability to improvise. Because I go by what I hear. If I hear somebody doing this, or <laughs> I did a show one night in Chicago. I swear, this was one of the wild ass nightclubs. Man, I was on that bad boy killing them, right? And this dude stood up in the back of the room and said, God damn it, get that motherfucker off stage before he kills somebody. Really? <laughs> I'll never forget that night, man. And people start turning around laughing at him because he's so crazy. <laughs> somebody get his ass off stage before he kills somebody. Because, it's, awesome. because some nights you get that and you got these people in the palm of your hand to the point where you say, God damn, if they laughing at this one, yes. wait till I hit them with the next That's one. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like to plan it like that because I become a hostage to the joke. Yeah. Yes, of I'd rather be a hostage to the yeah. moment that we are all experiencing yeah. at the same time. Per performance is different though. We improvise a lot too on stage mm -hmm. because an audience yep. is just an audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a live audience is just a live audience and each audience is completely different. You can't just be saying that, okay, let's play some songs and get out of here because you have a time limit. Of course. You, you have to sit on that stage mm. and sing from start to finish, even when people are looking at you like this. Uh, you know, yes. that's when you improvise, though. That's when you improvise. That's when you improvise. You have to at least say something to connect with them. Sometimes I go into countries where a lot of people don't know who I am. Yeah, I can be there just singing the songs, but I got to stop at a moment and talk. Mm -hmm. They don't know me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't know my songs. Know I still got to find a way to connect with them. You know, and so sometimes I can be looking at somebody in the crowd, compliment them, tell a little joke here, bring somebody on stage, make yeah. them feel a part. I think as creators and just as yeah. actresses and actors and just entertainers, point blank period, you have it in you. You just have to, you know, it's natural. As you write, like what is your approach to writing your punchlines or making sure something lands that didn't land before? I think what I do is try to make it real authentic things that people go through very relatable that's how i feel you know i've been through that i find that funny because it's such a norm for us to be going through some things and as an artist on stage you're there as the voice to speak one as many wow you know mm -hmm. so yeah. i think you just have to have relatable shit to be a punchline one of the main goals for each episode of the shop is to share and learn from the unique experiences of all our guests as we curate conversations with those who are shaping culture what I've learned is that through the journey, you know, all the hard work, the hustle and the consistency, it's always important to celebrate your wins. So do it in style and raise a glass to toast the unforgettable moments that continue to make us who we are. Toast to your wins with a Grey Goose Martini cocktail. Check out greygoose.com for smooth tasting recipes and remember, sip responsibly. The Shop Podcast is presented by Grey Goose Vodka. How did you get the role for Curb? I know your wife also manif manifested it, right? She yes. Manifested mm. But how, what was the audition like? I walked into that audition, into the room, first of all, and everybody I knew was there. 
I didn't know that you had to improvise with Larry. My process is this. I go in the room as the character. Mm. Oh. I don't go in the room as myself, because I control, I can drive better if I go in the room as, my, as the character. I come in the room, I'm doing the whole mannerisms and everything. They look at me like, what the? <laughs> like they, they all look confused. I said, okay, Larry, let's do this. We'll improvise, baby. Let's go. I said, I don't know, anything can happen. I might slap you in the face, I don't know. We're gonna improvise, see where we go at. Larry looked at the producers like, <laughs> How did your wife manifest? She told me I was gonna, we would, we would watch Kirby Enthusiasm. We loved the show. And we would watch it all the time. And I said, I would love to be on the show one day. And she said, You're gonna be on that show one day. I could see you and Larry together. Wow. And it just was this thing that was supposed to happen in that way. Mm. But me being aggressive and sticking to how I think and driving allowed him to see something different than what everybody else who was going to come totally. in after me was going to do. They said, the producers said they didn't know who the character was until I came in the room. You created the character. That's, a, I that's that when you I really made that dude up. First so audition. Scary. Yeah, I made, I and, and I knew people like him. And I said, oh, I know who this dude is. Yeah, so you believe in manifesting? or was Everything that happened to me right now, I've manifested. Love that. I saw you Almost talk about every... literally your car. You said you used to walk to work. I've... Nine months you used to walk to work. I, when I was a kid, I said I want two vehicles as my dream car. Being a girl from poverty growing up, yeah. I said I wanted an X6. Because in Jamaica, X6 and Beamer is like, <laughs> I want an X6 and I want a Lambo. I got both. I, I don't even want another vehicle to be like, oh, yeah, I'll get to the Lambo. No, I'm so patient. Yeah. I'll work. Mm. Because I have a goal. When I have a goal, I work towards that goal. I don't That's be like, oh, I'm going around here and then I come yeah. back to the goal. You've done tracks with a lot of Kanye, Magda Stallion. When you're on a track with an artist, are you and you competing too? Are you feeling that like, I want to win this fucking track? Uh, sometimes it depends. Like sometimes it can be offensive if you send a version and then when you hear somebody else's verse, you go back and you change it. It's like some people can get offended by yeah. that. So <laughs> it, it really- I've heard rappers talk about that a lot. Yeah, yeah I mean, but it's natural though, you know? Mm -hmm. that, it pushes you to go harder and it makes the track itself better for both of you You're guys. You're gonna track so. back, you're like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and the worst is, if she's, if, <laughs> I send her the, do that. if I send her the track, she's sending back with her shit. And then the first time she hear my new joint <laughs> yeah. is on, on the, the radio. radio. She's like, yeah. <laughs> that shit, that nigga's shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was listening to you so. first, though. I would send you the track. Yeah. Yeah. We doing this, you do your thing. Oh, that's what she came with? Watch this. Ah. Right, right. But why they do it the other way? Like, I, I mean, I don't know. Some people, it's just like, it depends on who you are as a person. Like, if you're going to go on the track and put out your best, just put out your best, mm. you know? Whether or not they come back clapping or not, but if you decide to change it because you're so competitive, then it's still on you. Regardless, as long as I feel like it's not coming from a place where it's like malicious, or you're mm. trying to outshine somebody purposely, yeah. When you're supposed to be working together, mm -hmm. then that then that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. When you're just doing it to be like, oh, it's a fun competition to make the song better for both of us, I see no problem with it at all. Yeah. That's why I never compete as an actor. Yeah. Never. This ain't it's not I a don't sport. even know knew that actors compete. That's they compete though, they do. Like I've heard yeah. I've had actors, I won't mention them, but why not? <laughs> On a shot, man. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Because of Maverick, I'm gonna say it, okay? Okay. Sure. So it's Terrence Howard. 
There you go. Who is my boy? Man, Terrence will tell you right in your face. You know I'm gonna kill you in the scene, right? There's some actors that do that. He's a great actor, so you. I like that he's at least letting you know. Oh yeah, he don't come with no. He don't come. No, no. Terrence is straightforward. Like he's straightforward about life. Like, but he uh, he definitely will tell you in the scene straight away. Like. I'm gonna kill you in this scene, boy. He like to look at you. He he like his eyes a lot, right? Yeah. So people like their eyes like to stare with the motherfucker. Yeah, so he be looking at you, man. I'm gonna kill you in this scene. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you in this scene. But how do you compete if you guys aren't playing the same role? No, we're not playing the same role. But he's competing at the dynamic of the scene. Being who 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 after the scene is seen, he's the one you remember the most. Oh, more. Or as a I got viewer, you. As okay. a viewer. Who do I pay attention to in the scene? Uh, There's three people in the scene. Yeah. Like I was saying, when I was saying Steen Ceiling, like she's she's in the scene and I can't stop looking. Even uh-huh. when she stops talking, and I'm like still, I want to hear more from her. That's what it means. Uh-huh. But still in the scene is not a thing, really. Like True. I'm a fan of Denzel Washington, right? My whole class is like, that dude is Sidney Poitier for us, right? Oh. He's the guy who mm. you say, okay, shit, I'm an actor because of him, yeah. right? So when I'm First time I had to do a scene with him, dude, I had like, you know, a little bit of chills because it's kind of like, I guess. Um, this is Remember the Titans? Remember the Titans. No, I'm not trying to steal a scene from Denzel Washington. That's ridiculous. Or steal a scene at all. Because uh, in theater, you know, someone stealing a scene is called a ham. You got to really jump up and down and steal a scene. If you're trained in theater, no one steals scenes yeah. when you come from theater. Yeah. It's- like, it's like too, it's it's um more support in a way. Like I knew that last days of Tommy Gray was really important to Sam. He'd been trying to get it done for ten years. His family suffers from Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that. And and uh, he, he really wanted me for the role. And in fact, I was like, I don't know if I don't do it because I was trying to do Transformers and they were saying that I couldn't do both at the same time. But I like I was like I'm gonna be still. I'm gonna let God do what He does, and then I got to do both, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but but when I got there and like the first day I was on set with Sam, I, I said a line, and he said he texted me. And he was like, when you said that line, the weight was lifted off my shoulders because I knew it, it was in the right hands. I also yeah. think like there's something beautiful about like a humility. Like again, you're I'm not saying this because you're here. One of my other cult classics, Paid in Full, right? And I think Ooh. you found a way in that character to like. <sighs> It's a real topic, a real time. It's the jungle and your humility and your like, just zen almost in that role. You steal every scene in that. Like, what was that paid in full experience like, like making that movie? You portraying like a real life person. She said it many times, like, you don't want to do a disservice to anyone. Mm-hmm. So I know AZ, the actual person. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I met with AZ and uh, I felt like I could be like him. You know, just uh, no other way I could say it. Like, I just felt I could be like him. I mean, we all felt um, obligated to being uh, sincere. You know, mm-hmm. Cameron wanted to be sincere to the characters. And that don't always happen. I find it, uh, I find it funny we've talked about cultivating talent, talked a lot about basketball, a lot about your career, mm-hmm. working with you on Shooting Stars, uh, yeah, shooting stars. a basketball <laughs> player we may all have heard of in LeBron James' story. <laughs> oh, okay. Talk about what's, what's that been like, Shooting Stars? Shooting Stars uh, was wonderful because I like to work with young young talent, like kids and stuff like that, right? So the young the young people were just so much fun to work with because they're just um, full of energy all the time. They have to be almost um, brought down energetically, right? It's another true story. I, I, I get nervous in those things because you have to meet these people. You don't want to do a disservice yeah. to, 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 yeah. to people. And when I met Coach, I was like, I'm not a lot like this dude at all. I'm not like him. 
this dude might cry right now. I'm not shedding no tears no time soon, you know? He was difficult. It was difficult for me. It's just a challenging role for me, that's mm -hmm. all. Because he was um, so, he's such a, a nice, he's a good guy, such yeah. a good person. And I'm a good guy, a nice guy and all that. I don't make myself look like I'm not, I am. I'm a very nice person. <laughs> no, I am, I'm, I'm probably too nice. You know? <laughs> but he's just different. He's a very unique person, you know? And then LeBron's uh, uh, iconic, beyond iconic and um, historical in a sense. I've also found it super interesting in, in your genre of dance hall, there's people that are like, we want you to do you, but not to you. And dance hall is such a traditional thing and so personal to, to a culture. Mm -hmm. They may not want a new version. Oh, it, no. Right? It's like, no, no, this is how we do it. And you as a new artist, do you feel that pressure? What? It's my life that I'm living right now. But guess what? It doesn't matter what anybody say, right? Because once you're destined for something and you are chosen, it That's is what it is. I wouldn't have gotten this far to have the opportunity to be like, oh, I want to mix it up now if I wasn't chosen to do this. When you look at my country, there's not like a thousand of us that make it out now. You're like 10, 20, you know? So you got to be like, okay, this is what I'm chosen for. God wouldn't choose me if I was not strong enough to do it. Mm. He knows that I can handle the pressure of the world, of the mm. audience. I know that. And that's why I'm still here doing it. Because I feel like I'm chosen. It's my destiny regardless. I've seen this thing from I was a kid like this. What's the version of your dance hall that's different than old school dance hall? So my dance hall that we do these days is more like, it, it's mixed with more melodies and trap and different sounds. Back in the days, you will hear like a steel or a little drum and then an artist is just like doing this flow, like dun, dun, dun. The type of music we're doing now, it goes like this. Mm -hmm. It's more flowy on the cool. beat. Yeah, you feel me? So, but what I'm doing now is like, when I came to America, it's like when I go to the clubs, people are still enjoying the old school dance hall. The new dance hall has not br broken ground here. Mm -hmm. So it has not. It has, it has not. not. Wow. There's a lot of artists who came up that you don't know about. I'm just lucky to be one of them that has, you know, an image and a face that I market myself in a certain type of way where, you know, other people get to know about me, you know, because I have been doing new school dance all. But ever since I came here in America, I said, wait, how are you guys still listening to these songs and be like, oh, this is the jam? Like, we hardly even listen to that in Jamaica. Absolutely yeah. true. How are you guys still stuck on this type of music? Don't get me wrong, vintage, very legendary. It'd be like us going around the country and they're like, I said a hip. It's the same thing. So I feel, I take it up on myself to be like, nah, I gotta help my culture expand and help you guys catch on to what's happening down it's, here. So I try to mix both. That's dope. You it's know? crazy because I, I personally think Jamaica is the greatest country on the planet. Here's why. There's 7 billion people on the planet. They have 3 million people on that one island, small little island. Yeah. But you, I've not been everywhere in the world, but I've been a lot of places. Mm -hmm. You cannot go anywhere in the world and be like, yo, where's the reggae spot? You be, I've been in yeah. Beijing, Hong Kong. For uh, sure, yeah. Poland, Amsterdam, New York, LA. You can go anywhere and be like, yo, where's the reggae club tonight? They'd be like, oh, it's on Tuesday. But there's a, oh, always, yeah, club. always a reggae club. It's on or Tuesday. You'd be, like, be in anywhere in the world, you'd be like, yo, where can I get 
Korean beef patty or something. They'd be like, oh, down in the street, go. Yeah, we know that we have major influence. Yeah. Right, but I feel like we, as dancehall, a com dancehall community in Jamaica, if we unified more, we would reach even further. We inspire a lot of genres: hip hop, uh, reggaeton, everything. Almost, yeah. everything. Almost, everything. Everything. almost everything. Almost everything. Almost everything. You feel me? Rock, Afro everything. and Afro and dancehall is like and rock cousins. music. Everything. They, they copy everything. Bob shit. Yeah. How do you feel about like the Afro beats now? Like being. I love thing. it. It's great. To Afro me, Africans and Afro beats to dancehall is like brothers and sisters. Like we move as one. I have a big fan base in Africa because Africa really tunes into dancehall. Jamaica is also very influential because one vein of it is really New York. So hip hop is, you know. Oh man. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it is. It's a fact. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's either the, the, the offspring of the culture or the culture itself. By the way, he talked about working with young actors. You talked about you wanted to be a child actor, but you're glad it didn't happen to you, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I just think about longevity in a way, and um, I'm definitely real passionate, very Brooklyn, and and I think I had to to take the time to understand to understand myself a little bit better, understand how to navigate my emotions. But I was thinking earlier about manifestation. That was one thing that yeah. I did a lot. I journaled a lot and I wrote a lot of things. Um, and one thing that I saw on Facebook today, 11 years ago today, I wrote something like, uh, "I hear six gun uh, six." gunshots out my window while I'm trying to sleep. No wonder why I run from bullets in my dreams. And I said, like, um, all I could see is my Brooklyn residency. No wonder why, like, Sunset Boulevard seems so far from me. Oh, wow. But now when I did Swarm, literally my face was everywhere in Hollywood. It had the biggest billboard on Sunset Boulevard. And I wrote this wow, when dope. I was in East New York being like, damn, the, bu the bullets. I'm working at the movie theater have to work on Friday nights and, and come home Man. from Manhattan um, to East New York at like four o'clock in the morning, cold and being like, this is actually dangerous, but I can't, mm -hmm. I yeah. can't even think about that because I have to do it anyway. And just remember like, oh, I can't wait till one day I'm gonna be on the screen, I'm gonna be, you know, yes. and I just put a lot of energy towards that. Yes. I think I was like that too, just as a young person. And probably we all were like a little bit like that. Like, I never felt like I wouldn't be exactly this, t this person, you know, I didn't have the obstacle of a parent or somebody being like, you can't do that. Maybe that's why I think it's so dope, your podcast that you have, right? It's like, you don't, you don't need to do that, right? No, like, no, you can't have a plan all the time. Your life is your journey. So you can't burn bridges. You can't step on toes. You can't afford it. You can't afford a misstep. You got to learn from your mistakes. Don't make people feel bad. Don't step on toes. For me, it's never a competition. My thing on stage, if it's five comedians on stage, it's five comedians, my thing is make sure the people have a good time. So my podcast is just like that. My podcast is, you know, and my podcast, which is fun. My podcast is called May I Elaborate. I take these positive affirmations and I JB smooth them. My, my partner and I, my, my You said I JB smooth them. Yeah, you, 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 you know, you, you, put, you just take them and you re-explain them to people what you think they mean. And I just elaborate on them. With all of that, what you've done, the podcast is great. You still get confused for Raphael Warnock every now and again, right? You know what? His, his, this is no. Break it down. You get confused with no, people. No, this is hilarious. Watch this. Watch, watch what I'm going to do to you. This is so crazy. It's so crazy. So me and John Sally used to get it, right? They'll say, oh, John Sally, 
you like Jamie, you know, they will say, hey man, I love your work, Mr. Sally. Or they'll say, hey, this much time I had on you. If he's sitting down, he's sitting down in the restaurant, they'll be like, hey man, I love your work on Cooper Enthusiasm. He tells me this all the time. I said, then one time I was talking to a guy for 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden he said, man, I just, I just always loved you, man, Mr. Sally. I said, man, you think I'm John Sally? <laughs> but here's the funny thing, look. They think me and John look alike, right? But they think I look like Mr. Warnock, right? But Mr. Warnock don't look like John Sally. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I get, I get well, Inspector was... Deck also. I get Inspector Deck also. <laughs> so it's like, it's like four of us. But by the way, JD, one thing, you dress better than Warnock, John Sally, and Inspector Deck. Thanks for listening to The Shop Uninterrupted. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to the show. For full video episodes, check out Uninterrupted's YouTube channel. And for weekly show updates, follow The Shop Uninterrupted on social media. You're listening to The Shop Podcast, presented by Grego's Vodka. Whether it's a dinner party for 10 or a small kickback, you know the vibes will always be right if you're surrounded by your favorite people. And great company pairs best with a great cocktail. So make it a Grey Goose Martini cocktail. Impress your guests in style with an espresso martini or the always effortless classic martini with a lemon twist. No matter what you decide, everyone can appreciate the smooth, delicate taste that only a Grey Goose vodka martini can provide. For more info on how to craft a vodka-based cocktail, visit greygoose.com and remember to always sip responsibly. Sip responsibly. www.responsibledrinking.org. 2024. Grey Goose. Its trade dress and the geese device are trademarks. Imported by Grey Goose Importing Company, Coral Gables, Florida. Vodka, 40% alcohol by volume. Distilled from French wheat.